The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Westway, and I am excited to see you here with us this morning. As Cody mentioned a little bit earlier, we are beginning a new uh, series this morning that leads up to Christmas Eve Day, um, which falls on Sunday this year. (laughs) Christmas Eve falls on Sunday. And so um, the series is entitled, Unto Us a Child is Born. And there were many promised sons in the Old Testament, sons in whom much hope was placed. As God fulfilled his promises through their birth, God had something greater in mind, the salvation of mankind through the ultimate child of promise, Jesus Christ. And every year, this time of year, we begin to look towards that time and we think about that day called Christmas Day is what we call it today. But it's so much more than what we often think about. And so as we go through this month, we want to draw your attention to that child unto us. A child is born. And um, so to start with this, we're going to go this morning to the book of Matthew. And if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 1, it's on page 597 in the Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you if you want to follow along that way. Or uh, we're going to cover a lot of scripture this morning. We're going to go from Matthew to Genesis and do a whole lot of scripture through Genesis and then back to Galatians a little later. and, and Hebrews in the middle there. Maybe the easiest way to follow along is pull out your phones, go to that YouVersion uh, event uh, on the YouVersion app. Um, all of these passages of Scripture that I'm going to fly through this morning uh, are on that YouVersion app. And if you're used to using that, you're going to see there's a lot of them. So we're going we're gonna to go quick this morning. Um, I've been challenged um, not to do 20 minutes like John did last week, but not to go really long either. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. This uh, book is the first book of the New Testament. It's the first of the Gospels. It's written by this guy named Matthew. And it's determined that he predominantly writes this to the Jews, but not just to the Jews, but the language he uses would make a lot of sense to the Jews getting their attention, telling them this story about um, the child that was born. And so as we turn to Matthew chapter 1 on page 597, by the way, when I use a page number from here on forward, that's from that Bible that's underneath the pew in front of you. Um, we We look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, and there we find this long list of men and women in Matthew's account. Um, And it makes me think about what Dave was talking about in the offering this morning. He talked about this story of going to church with his grandpa, his grandfather. And when we talk about different people, we identify oftentimes who their parents were. And sometimes we find out that we're related. Um, last Wednesday night, I found out that that shirt tail through the cousins, 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 cousins. I'm related to a lady that goes to church here now. 
which is kind of fun. Well, as we think about this this morning, Matthew is tracing the lineage of Jesus. And he begins this way in Matthew 1, verse 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Those two men were really important in the Jewish lineage. And he goes on in verse 2, he says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiad. Abiad was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Methan. Methan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to Messiah. Today we'd go on the computer and we could look up a list similar to this for our families. But as we look at this list, we see it goes way back into the Old Testament. So if you take your Bibles and you turn to the beginning of your Bible into the book of Genesis, we find this guy called Abraham. This list begins with Abraham. So this morning we'll focus on Abraham and the promise God made to him. The promise of a son. So in Genesis chapter 12, Verses 1 through 3, you'll find this on page 9. We find God asking Abram to leave his home where he grew up and move to an unknown destination. Notice I said Abram and not Abraham. Because when the story starts in Genesis, his name is Abram. And his name will change a little bit later. So in 
verse 1 of chapter 12 in Genesis, it says this. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Did you catch that? All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's including you and me and our families. So Matthew started his gospel with Abraham, Abram. (laughs) Jews considered him the father of their nation. They looked at Abram as being the father of the Jewish nation. But as we're going to see this morning, it didn't just include the Jews in this promise. This promise was to all nations. So Abraham exhibits his faith. And we're going to follow through the story of Abraham pretty quickly this morning. And there will be parts that I leave out. Because if I were to follow through the whole story, we would run out of time and past time. And so the parts that I leave out, I challenge you to go home this week and look them up and read the missing pieces. So Abraham exhibits his faith and trust in God and moves with his wife, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, to no particular place in the land of Canaan. He was to go to the land of Canaan, but it wasn't specified exactly where that was. The writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, and you can find that on page 754. That chapter 11 is often referred to the faith chapter or the hall of faith. And in the middle of that, in verse 8, it says this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Here in the writer of Hebrews, it talks about these two other men, Isaac and Jacob, and they are Abram's sons. But back in Genesis, if we turn back there again to page 9 in your Bibles, we find that they're not mentioned yet. And you get the picture of what's going on in Abram's life. He's traveling in tents, nomadic. And we find that Abram was 75 years old when he traveled to Canaan. And he still didn't have a son to pass on his name. Yet while there, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. Abram traveled around in Canaan until there came a severe famine, forcing him to move his family to Egypt. 
And while in Egypt, he didn't have a son there either. And there's a lot more to this story if you read about it in um, the scriptures in, in chapters 12 and 13. But I'm not going to cover all that now. But by the time they came out of Egypt, Abram and Lot, his nephew, were pretty wealthy. They had many sheep and goats and herds of cattle and tents. And in fact, they had so many that their herders didn't get along with each other because they were fighting for enough ground to run the sheep on and the, and the cattle on and to pitch their tents on. And so... Abram gave Lot a choice as to where he could go and find the property that would meet the needs for all the herds of, that he had. And Lot chose the Jordan Valley, which was full of green grass. And in that valley were also the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But as of this time, they hadn't been destroyed so Lot goes and he takes his family and his cattle and his sheep and everybody that's with him and they go live there. And um, in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 14 on page 10, God gives Abraham these instructor, instructions. He says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north south, east, and west. I'm giving all this land in every direction, north and south and east and west. I'm giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Now, I want you to think about this. If you were to go out here into the ditch and start counting the dust that blows in in the summertime, the little particles of dust, how long would that take you? <laughs> you can't do it, can you? But God says, I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, you cannot, they cannot be counted. Abraham doesn't have a son yet. He doesn't have one son yet. God's making a promise. And he's reminding Abraham of that promise. And we find that while Lot was living there in the Jordan Valley, he was caught in the middle of a war. And he and his family were taken captive. And Abraham receives the news of this and takes off after those that had captured him with 318 of his best soldiers or warriors. And he rescues Lot and his family and brings them back to their homes in the Jordan Valley. And still, Abram doesn't have a son to go with him on this trip. Like I said, there's a lot more scripture in the, in the book of Genesis there that I'm not going to cover in, in verses 12 through 14. But you can see that the point that I want to make today is, is God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to have a son. And it's taken a long time for that promise to be fulfilled. And I want us to think about that for a minute. How often do we feel 
that God is calling us to do something specific in our lives. And everything's indicating that this is what needs to happen. And as time goes on, it seems like it just doesn't happen. And maybe tough things happen in the middle of that. Where things happen to us maybe through illness or whether um, it's job changes or whatever it is. And we begin to wonder, where's God in all this? I think maybe Abram was beginning to question, how in the world is God going to fulfill that promise that he keeps telling me that I'm going to have? Well, as we get to chapter 15 in Genesis on page 10, sometime later in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, The Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. See, God hasn't left him. He knows about Abram, how Abram is feeling and what he's thinking. So he gives him some encouragement. In verse 2 it says, But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants on my, of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Do you catch the frustration and the discouragement that Abram must have been going through? But in verse 4, then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will, look, who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. That's a promise. Well, I was reading about this story one time as I was preparing for a children's lesson. And by the way, this morning, the children are getting the same lesson. And those of you that are parents, they're going to be given a piece of paper that they can bring home and you can discuss this lesson with them this week. There'll be questions on that piece of paper that you can discuss with them. But I was thinking about looking up in the sky and counting the stars, and we know that's impossible, but to, to make that a little clearer, can you tell what I have in my hand here? I mean, the people, can you see? It's a dime. And if you take this dime and you hold it at the end of your arm and you look up into the sky at night, that dime will cover millions of stars. Now, how many of these dimes does it take to cover the sky? <laughs> Could Abram count them? <laughs> There's no way. And that's the point. The point is... God says, I'm making a promise that's beyond you, beyond your understanding. But it's going to start with your son, the child that's to be born. So as we go on here, and as I turn my page,
God confirmed this promise with an ancient type of oath that Abram would have understood, defining the boundaries of the land to be given him and his descendants. And in chapter 16, we see that Sarai, Abram's wife, gets impatient and takes things into her own hands, believing that she would never be able to provide Abram with child. She's getting old. You don't have babies when you get old. Believing that she would never be able to provide Abram with a child, she convinces him to have a child with her Egyptian servant, Hagar. But that didn't work too well because now the women aren't getting along. And Abram gives Sarai permission to deal with the situation however she feels she should. So Hagar and her son, Ishmael, run away into the wilderness. Now Abraham, or Abram, was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. If you're like me, you're probably thinking, is God going to answer the promise that he gave to Abram through Ishmael? Well, as we read on in chapter 17, page 11, chapter 17, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. There he says it again. Abraham's 99. God's still saying it's going to happen. Verse 3, at this, Abraham fell face down on the ground then, the gods, then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. A footnote in my Bible here says that Abram probably means father of many. That's what Abraham means, I should say. Father of many. And the scripture goes on in verse 7 and says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continually, continual responsibility. And so their, his responsibility was to do what? Obey. Obey. And it's not just his responsibility, but it's his descendants' responsibility 
to obey God and the covenant that he made with Abraham. If we go on down to verse 15 on page 12, it says, Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son with her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? We know the rest of the story. Three men visited Abraham one of them being the Lord, and they tell him that Sarah will have a child. And she overhears the conversation and laughs, saying, how would a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? It was beyond comprehension for them at that point, for them to have a child. It shouldn't happen. Physically, it shouldn't happen. But we know that it did. God kept his promise. And in chapter 21, on page 14, we read this. Verse 1 of chapter 21 in Genesis. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. And she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. And Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Unto us a child is born. Abraham and Sarah must have wondered <laughs> and been amazed. Unto us, a child is born. God keeps his promises, even when we don't know how, especially when we don't know how. Abraham has a son. Through Isaac, all nations will be blessed. Through it all, Abraham stayed faithful. It would have been hard for me to not lose hope. As the years went by, I would have probably began to wonder. But Abraham stayed faithful. And because he did, we, you and I, and those who have followed his example, have benefited. In the book of Galatians, chapter 3, this would be on page 728. The Apostle Paul talks about Abraham. And he talks about his faith. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. It says this. In the same way, Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those 
who put their faith in God. Did you catch that? The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. The question, I guess, this morning should be then, have you put your faith in God? Have you followed Abraham's example? Do you trust him? Have you put your faith in him? On down in verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3, it says this, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. As we talk about these promised sons, as they lead towards the, the promise that was given to Abraham of the Messiah, the one that would come from his seed, remember that this promise is for you too if you put your faith and your trust in God. That belief in Jesus leads to faith in him, which in turn leads to obedience. Abraham had a responsibility to uphold in the covenant with God. That responsibility was to obey. We also have the responsibility to be obedient. Paul continues to explain the real reason God made that promise to Abraham many years before as we read on down in verses 26 through 29. In Galatians 3, 26, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So as we think about that obedience of Abraham, one must not leave out the example of obedience and faith that Abraham exhibited in the account in Genesis chapter 22. So if you take your Bibles and go back to Genesis and chapter 22, as I read this account, I want you to begin to prepare your hearts and minds to partake in communion together this morning. And as you do so, ask yourself this question. How does this account point towards Christ? So I want to go back to Genesis chapter 22. And I want us to listen to this account of what Abraham did when God chose to test his faith. 
And as we read this, we're going to identify some ways that this points towards Christ. Because that's what we take communion for, isn't it? To think about Jesus and what he's done for us. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Remember, this is the same son that he waited a hundred years to get. And then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, People still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me 
and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. So as we think about this promise that God gave Abraham, we can take this little loaf that Jesus told his disciples that they should take. And we can think about the promise that God made Abraham. And as we think about the similarities of what Abraham did with Isaac, both Isaac and Jesus were promised sons. Both were called your only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here's an interesting one. Both carried the wood up Calvary. That hill that Abraham sacrificed Isaac on, they figure it's the same hill that Jesus was sacrificed on. The scholars believe that. Both Isaac and Jesus consented to death. It's an interesting thought. Isaac asked his father, where's the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide. Did God provide for Isaac? Yes, he sent the lamb. We deserve to die on the cross. But God provided a lamb, his son, one and only son, for us as a sacrifice. Both consented to be bound up, to be tied up. Both were laid upon the wood. Both were offered by their fathers. As we partake this morning, as we think about why did God give his son? He promised unto us a child is born. As you partake this morning, remember what Jesus said with his disciples around the table. Take this bread, and as you take it, remember me. Let's partake together. And then Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood. And as you drink it, remember me. Let's partake together. Dear Heavenly Father, 
as we think about the story of Abraham and the promise that you made to him thousands and thousands of years ago, you were thinking of us also. We are so grateful that you gave us your son who fulfilled the first covenant and brought to us a new covenant where we too can be part of your family, your children, the descendants of Abraham, if you will. Father, it's only because of the fulfillment of your promise that we can be one of your children. And yes, we need to have faith like Abraham. Yes, we need to trust you like Abraham. And yes, we need to be obedient to you like Abraham. So as we go forth from here today, Father, we ask that you will give us the strength and the courage to continue on even when it seems like it's impossible to do so. Whatever it is we're struggling with, Father, whatever it is that we're questioning you about, help us to remember the faith of Abraham. Help us to remember your faithfulness to us and that you are always with us. Thank you so much for the price that was paid by your son Jesus on the cross of Calvary. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.